Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Karuchak, your host this week. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, the Doctor's Lounge is sponsored by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. We believe in the free market as the best method to solve the problems facing our health care system today. Uh, we are also uh, sponsored by the uh, Physicians Foundation, and uh, we have an interesting and very productive uh, partnership with the Heartland Institute and some other organizations, and we're certainly grateful uh, for those relationships. We're also grateful to you, the listener, for your time and your attention. We hope to bring you the best uh, with me and Dr. Hal Schertz, alternating weeks, bring you the very best in healthcare policy chat radio. So, we're here at the end of the August recess. Uh, healthcare has faded from the headlines except for an occasional reminder by someone that they haven't forgotten about healthcare policy, but it's easy to become discouraged at this point. We have had uh, a, a Republican president, a Republican Senate, and a Republican House of Representatives in place for well over six months now, and if you're only paying attention to the surface, you might think there's not a whole lot of progress being made. But remember, part of what we talked about in some other shows, and Dr. Howell has talked about in some other shows, which is that government's not going to be what solves this anyway. And all we really should hope for and strive for at this point is to be sure that they don't pass any legislation that cuts off what David Goldhill calls the green shoots, the, uh, the efforts by motivated individuals, such as our guest, uh, that are really making a difference in what's happening. And so uh, today we're going to present you with some new reasons to be optimistic about the future because there is some really neat stuff going on outside of the Beltway, which is the only place that it's going to happen anyway. So with that, I am delighted to introduce uh, someone I am proud to call a colleague and a friend and who is the uh, president of our group, the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, Dr. Lee Gross. Um, he is uh, the, the spiritual leader of Epiphany Health, uh, which is one of the leading direct primary care practices in Florida, and he has been so busy. Uh, I, I don't know how the man eats or sleeps or, or does what he does, but uh, in spite of all that, he has found time to be with us today. So, Lee, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the. Uh, that's quite the introduction. So <laughs> we can live up to that. Oh Lord, well, you know, high bar. That's what happens when you do this too long. You get a little bit too long-winded about stuff. But let's just jump right in. You've got so much to talk about. I'm just going to let you have the microphone and get the heck out of the way, and uh, talk about what you want to talk about in order. Outstanding. Well, thank you so, so much, Mike. Uh, as you remember, uh, last year in Dallas, Texas, we put on an incredible. Uh, Incredible a direct primary care conference. So thanks in, in part to our sponsorship, not in part, but largely to our sponsorship by the Physicians Foundation. Uh, they gave us a nice grant so that we could invite physicians from all over the country to learn about direct primary care, and they could come and learn about it for free. And what we did last year is we, we attracted 275 attendees from 41 states uh, to this conference, and this two-day conference was quite possibly one of the most energetic medical conferences you would ever go to. Uh, and this was in a time right just prior to 
to the presidential election, not a word about politics, not a bitter word. And, you know, nowadays when you go to medical conferences, you just see angry people. You see angry doctors, just frustrated doctors complaining about their loss of autonomy, complaining about just uh, how their practices have evolved, how their practices have sold. Now they're working for the hospital. And this, this conference that we did in Dallas was an oasis from all that. It was high energy. It was excitement. It was enthusiastic. And it, quite frankly, the feedback I got was one of the best medical conferences most of the attendees have ever been to. Well, the great news is, uh, thanks again to the uh, relationship we have with the Physicians Foundation, they have renewed our grant, and we are putting on another direct primary care conference this year in Orlando. So October 12th to the 14th at the Rosen Center Hotel, we will be holding a uh, free for physicians, a CME, Continuing Medical Education Conference, uh, on direct primary care. Again, we are going to be partnering with the Florida Medical Association, so we're excited about the relationship we're, we're building with them. Uh, they're helping us uh, coordinate the event, and uh, we're, we're getting our, our CME certified through our relationship with the Florida Medical Association. So, again, promising to be another, another exciting event. We're expecting 300 attendees at this event. Uh, and again, we're able to offer this attendance for free to physicians that want to that want to come to the Orlando area. An exciting an exciting place, a great place to bring your families because our conference is going to wrap up by noon on Saturday. So plenty of time if you wanted to go out to the parks, uh, take your family out, do some exciting things on Saturday and Sunday, and still get back home for work. So I uh, just kind of wanted to give you a, a little perspective of, of what we're going to be having there uh, on Thursday night. We're going to open up with a cocktail reception networking event. Now, as you remember, we put all of our videos uh, of these conferences for free on the internet for people to up on our website for people to look at. But what those videos don't allow you to do is the networking, which is such a critical part of being in the direct primary care world. Is Absolutely, being able to have that that support group, uh, that network of physicians you can reach out to and, and get advice from and guidance is as challenges come up as you're building your direct primary care practice. So this Thursday night uh, cocktail reception will be an exceptional way to just start to meet and greet people. Uh, we're going to likely have some Florida lawmakers and some other lawmakers in the area uh, that are going to attend it to really try to get a feel for what uh, direct primary care is about. As you know, Florida did file for another direct primary care bill this year for the 2018 session. So it's it's August, and we've already filed the bill for 2018, which is exciting. So those lawmakers... You're probably the first bill to go on, right? I mean, I can't imagine anybody beating you to the punch to be the very first one to be on the agenda for next year. That's correct. We were filed on the day it opened. Uh, so the big change for us to keep uh, getting earlier and earlier. So I think this is good, but it's nice exposure for us, for the, uh, for the Florida policymakers to be there and see the excitement, the enthusiasm into why... It's important for Florida to get this piece of legislation across the finish line this year. So um, we open up on, on Friday morning with just starting with some real excitement. Now, you're probably going to see some familiar names on this list, but don't let that discourage you. If, you, if you've come to a last event, you're going to want to come to this one, too, because just because you saw LeBron James play in last year's All-Star game doesn't mean you don't want to see him play in this year's All-Star game. Yes, uh, indeed. It's not, it's not going to be the same show. Um, and so we, we've invited, invited some of our all-stars back. We've got 
Josh Umber from Atlas MD, he's become quite the rock star, always has been, but he's, his, his star is really shining right now. Uh, there's rarely a day that goes by that he's not on television or radio talking with somebody um, across the country. We have uh, Ryan Newhoffel from Kansas. We have uh, Julie Gunther. If you have not seen Julie Gunther give a lecture uh, on direct primary care, she takes a real tough love approach uh, to to problem solving, uh, and she just is a is a amazing, incredibly strong woman that I think everyone would be inspired by hearing her story. So we definitely don't want to miss that one. And then our good friend Chad Savage from from Brighton, Michigan. Michigan. Uh, he obviously is working very closely with our our uh, friend uh, Senator Pat Colbeck up in Michigan. Uh, they're working together on a, a direct primary care uh, Medicaid pilot program. They got funding for that this year, so we're going to see some exciting stuff out of there. So we'll hear all about that. Um, we brought back Phil Eskew. Phil Eskew, if you haven't heard that name, you definitely will hear more of it because he is the uh, the, the brains behind the DPC Frontier website, which is the preeminent legal uh, website in the country where if you want to learn everything about the legal aspects of starting up a DPC practice, he lays it all out there, and he does it for free, which is incredible. He's so incredibly generous with his time. But Phil is a physician and and an attorney, uh, and we passed uh, direct primary care legislation now in 23 states, and Phil's had his hand in so many of those states uh, at pushing to get those across, helping craft the legislation. Um, and he's now you know working with the folks in Philadelphia. He's working with the folks in Ohio. Um, and so it's really exciting to see him. Uh, back up on that stage and giving us an update on legal issues. He's going to do two panels for us. He's going to do a first first day general session, big picture, explain to everybody what the current legal uh, issues are re- regarding direct primary care. And then on Saturday, there's going to be breakout sessions. And those breakout sessions are going to be divided into how long you've been in practice. So if you've been in practice less than six months, there's a track for you. If you're established and just trying to look to get your practice to the next level, we got a panel for you. Um, so Phil's going to be there with the, with the newbies on that second day on the breakout session to really get into the details of how you set up your practice, how to keep from running afoul of, of Medicare rules, insurance regulations. Um, and so he's really been generous with his time. We have Jay Kesey from the, uh, the Direct Primary Care Coalition. Uh, he's going to be joining us and giving us a legislative update, just the, the, uh, what, what's happening on the Hill on the Direct Primary Care front. He's going to tell us about the Primary Care Enhancement Act and where that stands. And if you're not familiar with that, that is a bipartisan uh, legislation that allows health savings accounts to be used to uh, pay for direct primary care memberships. Because the challenge with with DPC is that it's on an unlevel playing field with everything else in healthcare. You can use HSA funds to pay for pretty much everything except for DPC memberships. So we're trying to fix that. Uh, and so he's going to give us an update on where we stand on that. We have a great lunchtime keynote speaker, which we're pretty excited about, Doug Perego. Uh, you may recognize that name in the past. He was the author of the Placebo Journal, which is a satirical journal, uh, which I think most physicians probably had uh, carried around at one point in their in their lives. Uh, uh, so he's a direct primary care doctor now in, in North Carolina. We're excited to have him. Then we're branching into the Free Market Medical Association. We're bringing some of the folks from FMMA along. And uh, Chris Markford, who's a rising star, uh, he's the FMMA, FMMA chapter president in Florida uh, with the uh, uh, Surgery Center of Clearwater, or Orthopedic Surgery Center of Clearwater. 
and he's doing some great stuff on the on the state and national levels. Of course, we got to bring our rock star Jay Kempton back in to talk about how our direct primary care doctors are going to be working with uh, self-funded plans, third-party administrators, and, and uh, I'm, of course, going to join them on that panel. We're going to talk about how you bust the cost curve, not just bend the cost curve. You know, people are talking about how do you bend the cost curve. We're, we're breaking that thing. Uh, and so we're going to get to share some of the stories. Here's one of the things we're really excited about um, also, and I know we're getting close to the end of the segment, so I don't want to take too much time, but there's a really You've good got about 45 there. seconds, and, and anything you don't finish, we'll just go next second. All right, so let me just tell you how, how you're going to go ahead and, and register for this conference because, again, there, there's a small charge to reserve your ticket, but if you're a physician, it's refunded at the door, so there's no cost to you. Uh, if you want to register, go to uh, our website. It's uh, the Doctor Patient Care Foundation, D, the number 4PCFoundation.org forward slash DPC 2017. Outstanding. Okay, well, we're coming up on the end of the segment. We uh, have our special guest, Dr. Lee Gross, who is president, spiritual leader of our group, the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Uh, you are listening to the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. Karuchek, your host here on America's Web Radio. Thanks very much for being with us today. Uh, great to have you along. We have special guest uh, Dr. Lee Gross, who has been so busy promoting direct primary care and doing all the stuff that government can't do uh, to make our health care system better. We have been talking about uh, a meeting that's coming up that, that we are doing. Uh, it is the second uh, meeting uh, in, the, in the second year of, uh, of working on how to educate folks on direct primary care. If you're a primary physician, you cannot miss this meeting. Uh, this is hopefully going to be the wave of the future of how we can revolutionize the healthcare system from within and lower the cost curve, not just bend it as, uh, as Lee was talking about, but to bust that cost curve. 
and we're talking about all the neat stuff that is going on uh, at this meeting. So to register for the meeting, uh, and you need to know this, write this down, you need to go to our website, www.dnumeral4pcfoundation.org, and there is a page there that you can register for the meeting. So, Lee, go over again this whole idea of you pay money to register for the meeting, but then you get it refunded to you, and then hopefully you'll do something good with that money. Right. Because, so because the meeting is free, we don't want uh, 300 people just signing up for tickets and not showing up to the event. So we want to make sure that people actually intend to come to it. So we do have a $150 registration fee to purchase that ticket. Now, thanks to that uh, sponsorship, that grant from the Physicians Foundation, we're actually able to put on this event for free. So when the physicians actually show up to the event, we're going to go ahead and issue them a refund uh, of their $150 minus a processing fee uh, for our registration. And if they really like the kind of work the Docs for Patient Care Foundation is doing, they're going to have an option to go ahead and make a tax-free donation to the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. So if they can feel like it's worth their, their efforts, uh, they can give us that $150 in donation. They can give us more if they want to, of course. But, That's right. Um, no donation is too big or too small, as we as right. we always say. But, yes, hopefully you'll do two things. One is you'll come to the meeting and learn all the neat stuff that's going on. And the second is that uh, is to donate that money to, to to those of us who do this work and donate our time. And, you know, Dr. Lee here is, is donates hundreds of hours every month or so to make this work. So um, if you like what you see at the meeting and you like what you hear, uh, please leave at least some of that money behind uh, so that we can uh, continue the work. So, uh, Lee, we weren't through yet, I think, if I understand correctly. We weren't through yet going through the agenda and talking about all the neat stuff that's going on and the neat people that are going to be presenting and leading the discussion. So go ahead and finish that up. So here's one that I'm really hoping we can we can finalize. We, we, we finalized our entire conference except for one person we're still waiting on, and that's uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Dr. Tom Price. Uh, and it's looking like he's going to be there uh, we're hoping it's going to be live in person. Uh, there's a chance it might be live via Skype, but we really do hope to have him. And what we'd like to do is we're going to do a, a live interactive question and answer session with, with, with Secretary Price. So we're going to discuss with him just the, the relieving the regulatory burden on physicians, uh, which I think is something he is uniquely positioned to, to understand and to, to help in that process. So hopefully we can pull that one off. We'll be announcing that one finally shortly uh our dinner keynote speaker grace marie turner we all know her real well she's a good friend she's on the advisory board of the docs for patient care foundation from the galen institute uh she has a deep knowledge for many many years she's been talking about uh, uh, promoting a competitive patient-centered uh, health care marketplace so she's going to share her experience in that endeavor and, and how dpc fits that mold Day number two is where we get really down into the weeds and, and, and uh, break down those, those uh, specific needs for each practice. We're, again, we're going to divide it into that two tracks and, and really get something for everybody. So if you've been at this for a while, you're still going to learn more. Uh, we're bringing in folks from Colorado, Lisa Davidson, Dr. Lisa Davidson. Uh, we're bringing in Dr. Jeff Gold from New England. We're bringing in uh, Nick Thompson. Again, we got a big Kansas contingency here, so Nick Thompson uh, – one of the, the newer guys, but he does some mission work, and he manages to build that into his DPC. Um, so some really exciting things. One of the key things I think you're going to see this year is just so much diversity in our panels uh, and in our faculty. 
if you look at the number of years that these people have been in the in the DPC area, we have represented over a century of experience in this in this area. Uh, Dr. Jennifer Herrader, uh, Dr. Delisha Haynes from Florida. We're excited to have her. Vance Lassie. Uh, if you have not met Vance Lassie, you need to meet this gentleman. He's going to show you his Vanceonomics for how he can put up a, a, a practice on a dime. Uh, this man is incredible, the kind of uh, value he can he can provide, and, and he's going to share some of his cost-saving tips in starting up practices. Ken Corba from Pennsylvania uh, is going to sort of round it out. And then the, the most exciting panel I think we had last year was a panel that was led by Julie Gunther, where she interviewed about eight, eight uh, different uh, physicians that had started up practices and really just got them to share their pearls, their wisdom, their, their big mistakes, their big successes. And one of the important things we're going to do this year is you've probably heard of some fairly high-profile failures in DPC, turntable health, Z-Dog MD, Zubin Damani, his practice in Las Vegas closed down. Um, we heard about, of course, the catastrophic uh, issues with Q-Lions in, in, Seattle, in Seattle, Washington. We're going to break down those failures, find out why they happened, uh, and really explore those. So we're bringing Julie back to do another panel this year uh, on all this stuff. We're going to break it all down for you so you really, truly understand what makes a practice succeed, what makes a practice fail, uh, and there's no better person to, to lead that than Julie. So we are really, really excited for this for this conference. Again, that's uh, our website, d4pcfoundation.org, and there's a link there to register for the conference. That's fantastically. I tell you what, I, as you were talking about this, I was I was taking some notes and coming up with my sort of list of reasons why. Even if you're not primary care, I mean, heck, I'm I'm a specialist, and I'm excited as heck to be going to this thing. Um, but you know, in terms of of why you should go to this meeting, I think a couple of points stand out that that people need to realize. And we need to reemphasize. Number one is, don't and correct me if I get any of these wrongly, but the first is, don't think that you you can't go to this meeting either because you know too little about direct primary care, or that you've already been to one meeting and that there's there's nothing more than than a meeting can teach you. Uh, especially like you said, there may be a few names that were that are going to be at this meeting that were at the meeting last year, but. Um, I, it, you know, we, you, have gone to great pains to be sure that there is something for everyone there, whether you're just contemplating getting into this or you're one of the few that are already experienced. Um, I think number two is the diversity of speakers, of backgrounds, uh, and number three is the networking. Uh, and, and I was going to mention this in the first segment, but Lee, but you were doing so well, I, I sure as heck wasn't going to stop you. But I remember uh, in the meeting last year in Dallas running into a, a doctor who worked right around the corner from me here in Atlanta who I didn't know was direct primary care. I mean she was referring patients to me and stuff, but I had no idea that she was, uh, was doing DPC. And I think we need to sort of refocus on, on the parts of this and, and, and Lee flesh this out because you know way more about this than I do. But, but the way the, the, polit- the politics and the optics work here, we, we need folks at this meeting to impress the state politicians from Florida who in a few short months following this meeting are going to have a hand in, in, in passing the legislation that needs to pass in Florida, Correct. Correct. Okay. And then, of course, it's important every state that we get to pass this sort of builds the momentum for the states that haven't passed it yet. 
And, you know, since you've been so intimately involved here over at least two or three years, I think, if not more, then those lessons can be uh, transferred and and applied in other states. But the more folks that we have there showing interest, uh, the more impressed, again, on a nationwide stage, uh, the more impressed the state politicians will be. And, uh, you know, and bottom line is even, even if you're not impressed with any of that, the bottom line is we all need CMEs. And you're going to get CMEs at this thing for free. And, I mean, this is the, you know, these are the best CMEs you're going to find anywhere. I mean, because this is neat stuff. And, uh, you, know, in, in, you know, within a few years, I think this is going to be a significant part of the landscape. I don't know. How would I do? Was that good? I think you nailed it. And probably just as important is free food and beverages. Uh, you know, we're going to be breakfast, lunch, and dinner is included, uh, plus a cocktail reception on, uh, on Thursday night. We have another cocktail reception before the dinner program on Friday, breakfast on Saturday. So, you know, this free conference, it, it's, it is everything. And Orlando, with all the good, fun things to do in the fall, right? You can bring your family and, you know, all the good stuff that Orlando has to offer is right there. It's, it's, uh, I mean, you live in Florida. The, the, the temperature in October is, I presume, much more hospitable. Absolutely, and Disney has their not-so-scary Halloween, so you can get in special tickets in the evenings on Thursday night after hours and stay there till after midnight. It's a, it's a great great way to see Disney. Outstanding. So so there you have it. If, if, if that hasn't convinced you to come to this meeting, I don't know what else to say. I mean, uh, you know, I can tell you, even having gone to last year's meeting as a specialist, right? I mean, I'm an ear, nose, and throat doc. I'm not ever going to offer a direct primary care practice, and yet – you know, if you care about medicine at all in general and where we're going and, you know, how little chance of success the government's actually going to have, that, that this is the kind of stuff that's that's going to save the system. And, oh, and, and you need to learn about it. Like, yes. These, you know, these guys from this free market medical association panel, if you're a specialist, these guys will break down the problems in healthcare and healthcare financing better than anyone. Uh, and you will leave with a new understanding and appreciation of what is broken uh, and a better appreciation of how we go about fixing this. So, so there you go. I mean, that's even, at least said it even better than I did, which is that you don't, even, you don't necessarily have to be a primary care doc to go to this and, and get some major stuff out of it. No, no question about it. So we've got a minute and a half. Um, the floor is yours, whatever you, wherever you want to go, my friend. Oh my goodness! Well, we—you've been busy. Been pretty, I mean, why don't you talk about busy. the stuff you've you've been like? I, I don't know how you eat or sleep, but go ahead and share, folks. And and, and I'm going to make you share your your award that you got. I know you're modest enough; you're not going to do it unless I beat you and make you do it. So, do it. All right. So I was able to present on the main stage of Freedom Fest, a Libertarian Conference in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Paris Resort. Uh, Two thousand people in the audience. They recorded every single presentation of this entire conference for three days. 200 presentations were recorded, and they sold these presentations uh, for people for download or purchase the DVDs. Out of all 200 presentations, ours was the number one purchased com- uh, presentation of the entire conference. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, we beat out William Shatner, the keynote speaker, Dinesh D'Souza, and, and, and uh, I went on right after Steve Forbes, so he didn't uh, finish in the top ten. We, we beat him up pretty good, so... We're excited about that. Then we moved on the last weekend. I was in Oklahoma City for the Free Market Medical Association annual meeting. Uh, this meeting is getting bigger and bigger every year. There were well over 300 people in attendance. We did a breakout on direct primary care. You got 15 seconds, my friend. 
Go ahead. And was proud to have been awarded the Beacon Award for my leadership uh, of the Doctor Patient Care Foundation and being a leader in the free market healthcare movement. Outstanding. All right. Uh, well, we're done with this segment uh, with special guest Dr. Lee Gross. You're listening to the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Obamacare is failing, but in order to get back on the right track with health policy, people need to be informed. Obamacarewatch.org is your resource to understand what's happening with this law and what you can do to stay active, stay informed, and make positive change happen. Obamacarewatch.org. Visit us now. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. Dr. Mike Karuchak, your host for today's show. It is good to be with you today. Thanks for being with us. The Doctor's Lounge is broadcast live Thursday mornings on America's Web Radio and is available by podcast at the uh, Apple Store uh, anytime uh, that is uh, most convenient for you. So thanks again for your time and attention. We ask you again, as we always do for your financial support, please go to www.dnumeral4pcfoundation.org and please give generously. If you like what you hear, we need your contributions to continue to bring you the very best in healthcare policy chat radio. So thank you very much once again. So... As healthcare news, policy, whatever, has kind of taken a momentary backseat on the world stage uh, to dictators with their fingers on the nuke button and lowlifes in Virginia with their foot on the gas pedal and in the shadow of the upcoming eclipse, which will cut a big diagonal path across the United States, um, there has been a lot of room to talk about healthcare and healthcare policy in the news of late. However, we'll start off the show with an announcement. Not a big announcement, but an announcement of sorts um, about our practice, my practice, practice I work in, ear, nose, and throat of Georgia North uh, in the Atlanta area. Uh, We are officially, after 13 years with one particular electronic medical record system, uh, we're in the hunt for perhaps a new one. Not guaranteed, Uh, We have a lot of sort of milestones coming up in our computer infrastructure, our IT infrastructure, 
and without making this little personal story too long, our our servers, right, the beige boxes that you buy to run all this stuff, uh, are getting old. Uh, in 13 years, we've only purchased two sets of systems, and probably within the next 90 days, the computers that we have, which are almost uh, eight or nine years old, which you know, you know, in computer terms, that's like you know, 150 in dog years, so to speak. Um, they are old, long in the tooth, well past their useful lifespan. And it's beginning to show. Uh, this morning we were down for the first 30 minutes of our day, which is recoverable but is actually a real disaster if you think about it. We, they managed to get the servers back up, but it takes a lot of manpower and people have to drop what they're doing. And you never know when you start seeing patients when the computer's going to come back up. And it's really a very crippling thing. So as we look at whether we should buy all new computers or go to the cloud, right, instead of buying the computer space, you lease the hardware, and you never know where physically it is, uh, but that seems to be the way of the future. So as, as we're making all these changes, uh, we're thinking, well, maybe we should at least look after 13 years and see what's new out there. So in, in the process, we're kicking tires. We're talking to other vendors. You know, The odds are probably you know, greater than 50-50. We'll stay where we are, but it's good after 13 years to kind of look around and see exactly what's out there because you never know. So to that end, uh, my administrator and I were invited to go to uh, an executive-level dinner, as it was called, two nights ago, uh, down in Swanky Buckhead in Atlanta, and listen to the executives, the C-suite folks, of this particular well-known top-tier EMR vendor – I won't say their name uh, – to – Listen to their strategic plan, not so much to see a demo of their EMR product. It was sort of a higher level thing than that, but to listen to their strategic plan and to hopefully, in their eyes, be impressed, be dazzled by some new, brilliant strategy. And they began the talk saying, we want to completely change the image of our company. We want to completely change where we're going. We want to go after the business of the independent physician which was very interesting since so many physicians are now employed and independent physicians are a progressively shrinking breed. I think it's down to 30%. But they profess to be most interested in doctors like me and my partners. And my administrator and I looked at each other and said, hmm, maybe there's something to be had here. Maybe we're going to be impressed. Maybe we're going to be dazzled. But unfortunately, as we listened to an hour's worth of presentation over a very nice dinner, we were disappointed. It was pretty much the same old thing. They bragged about how many acquisitions they had made in order to bring more capabilities to their product, and some of the folks that were acquired talked about their product and how it was going to contribute to what was going on. But in the end, all of the goals appeared to be the same. There was really no particular change. So at the end of this presentation, they all looked at us, mainly my administrator and myself, and said, what do you think? And... Elizabeth and I looked at each other and couldn't decide whether to just be honest and tell them that none of what they said was really new or should we just tell them what they want to hear and thank them for a nice dinner and go home. And we decided to be honest. We decided to say, look, you know, you started off looking really good and sounding really good, but in the end, you had the same old garbage that everybody else has and there was really nothing here that was new. And of course, they were not expecting to hear this. They kind of gave us that deer in the headlights look. It's kind of funny, actually. And... Uh, I have to say, though, in their defense, that the unscripted conversation that followed was actually very good. 
And we did get them to admit a few things that were good. I looked one of them in the eye and I said, do you believe that meaningful use was a good thing? Do you believe that quality reporting enhances quality of care? Is that a good thing? Uh, do you think that all these regulations that we have are good things or do you think they're bad things? And off the record, they were very candid and said, no, we, we don't think these are good things. Uh, and we said, well, <laughs> you need to make that clear in your presentation. You're not going to impress everybody, anybody. You need to say what you said in the unscripted conversation, which is that Healthcare regulations are there. They're the law. Conforming with the law and compliance is a necessary evil, but we'll get you through it with as minimal pain as possible because that's not what they said in the presentation. So it was, it was, it was part of what I am beginning to see. Whether I go to Washington and I talk to folks in government inside the Beltway or now EMR vendors, some other places that you can get folks to admit off the record that meaningful use was not a good thing. I mean, it was a great thing financially for the vendors, but that it was not a good thing in terms of where it took the industry. It was not a good thing for healthcare itself, not a good thing for patients, not a good thing for the physicians charged with the task of actually taking care of patients and being most responsible for how well they do. And they did say meaningful use wasn't good. Quality measures weren't good. And it is encouraging in a desperate search for good news that we're beginning to hear this from more and more corners of the universe. And it could be that even officially we're starting to hear some good things. So a couple of this with a, with, a, with a story that just came out a couple of days ago about uh, CMS now looking at some rather significant regulatory changes. As you may or may not know, uh, one of the things that is a part of the current regulatory structure from the government coming from Medicare is these mandatory bundled payment models. Um, to this point, uh, there's, there's several programs that they have, you know, one of which is for uh, joint replacement. Another one is for cardiac rehab. Uh, there are others that have to do with sort of episodic care like uh, acute uh, heart attack, myocardial infarction, coronary artery bypass graft. Surgical hit, femur replacement, femur fracture, femur replacement, femur fracture, you know, sort of these common things that have very common treatment pathways that CMS had these programs in place to do sort of a single bundled payment sort of thing. And some of these were going to go live in October of this year. Um, but CMS has, as of the 16th, two days ago, made some major changes here. The first is that they have made the uh, joint replacement model bundled payment protocol voluntary instead of mandatory in 33 out of 67 areas. So that's very interesting. Most of these, I think, are rural areas and low-volume hospitals who can still participate in the joint replacement bundled payment protocol if they want to, but now it's voluntary. And I think that's very interesting and very relevant. Even more impressive is the fact that some of these have actually been completely canceled or they've been proposed to be canceled. Um, the advancing care coordination through episode payment models and cardiac rehab has been proposed to, to shut that down completely. And I think that's very interesting, especially the voluntary part, because as you may or may not remember, uh, what I've advocated in recent months is that the entire MIPS macro 
thing, the whole Meaningful Use program. You know what MIPS and MACRA are if you listen to us, the big program that's tied to meaningful use of medical or electronic medical records uh, that has been mandatory all these years uh, could go voluntary. And so it's interesting that if they can go voluntary on some programs that have long been regarded as mandatory, maybe they can go voluntary on some other ones. Uh, Tom Price, uh, HHS secretary, has has come out against mandatory bundled payment programs. And interestingly, uh, one of the major physician deputies at CMS, one Dr. Pat Conway, uh, very nice guy that I had the privilege of meeting in February of last year, uh, uh, was actually in support of mandatory bundled payment programs, and he is actually leaving CMS as of October 1st, I think, to join Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. So there are some major personnel shakeups going on which would support the theory that we're seeing major changes within CMS, and maybe as the months go by, we're going to get more good news uh, out of CMS. And that would be a very good piece of news indeed. Uh, Not all the news is good out of government, however. can't be that rosy. Uh, Another story came out uh, a a couple of weeks ago on August 4th uh, talking about the uh, Government Accounting Office, Government Accountability Office, uh, who apparently has the, the authority, and I don't under, profess to understand how this works, uh, to appoint members to a health information technology advisory committee whose job is to uh, provide recommendations to Don Rucker, Dr. Don Rucker, who is the, uh, the, the head of the Office of the National Coordinator of Health Information Technology. And I thought, well, this is interesting. Uh, you know, I'd love to be on such a committee myself. So I was looking at the list of the f- folks that were on here thinking, well, of course, they're going to have some docs on this committee, right? That that does make sense. This is health care after all. I mean, health information technology starts with health. You would think there there would be physicians on the committee. So uh, I looked at the, the list of folks on this committee, and they have got uh, 15 people. Five of them were appointed to one-year terms, five appointed to two-year terms, five appointed to three-year terms. So 15 people. Out of 15 people, how many do you think are physicians? Ten? No. Seven? Nope. You're getting warmer. Five? No. Three? There is one. There's one physician on this committee. Uh, it is one Dr. Terrence O'Malley, a geriatrician at Mass General Hospital. Uh, so geriatrician is probably not a bad specialty to have, but only one doctor? Uh, this is ridiculous in, with 15 people. Inappropriate. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. This is how this will, will affect what's going on or whether the, you know, at least I can tell you that having spoken with Dr. Rucker a couple of months ago, uh, I will tell you that he gets it. Uh, so hopefully that, you know, whatever recommendations come down, it sounds like it will be filtered through a, a competent mind uh, in, in Dr. Rucker. So we are at the end of the first segment. You are listening to the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. 
You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. Mike Karuchak, your host. Good to be with you again uh, here on America's Web Radio. We're just talking about a whole sort of smorgasbord of stuff uh, in a relatively quiet time uh, in healthcare policy, you know, everyone's still licking their wounds from the failed attempt to reform Obamacare, and then the stage was rapidly taken over by all sorts of foreign policy issues related to foreign countries, uh, domestic issues related to crazy people driving cars into crowds during uh, demonstrations, and uh, folks who are normally supposed to be paying attention to healthcare and other more important stuff have had uh, have been distracted. Uh, in addition, we're in August, which is the summer recess for Congress and for just about everybody else in Washington, D.C., so nobody's there. And so we've just got a whole sort of list of things to talk about here. We, we talked about some, some favorable changes coming out of CMS here in the last 72 hours, and we've got some more stuff to talk about. So start off again with a story. I like starting off with stories. Doctors like to do that. We tell stories about individual patients because although we are into data as much as anyone else and we're into data-driven care as much as we can be and we're into statistics, the bottom line is we take care of patients one at a time. And you've heard me say that both before. You're going to hear me say it again. But uh, when you talk about all of these 50,000-foot sort of concepts – big data, population health, all of these things. That's all well and good, and that's fine. And, and, and they probably have a use somewhere. But the folks who push this stuff forget that it's only useful insofar as we can take that information and translate that into improved care for an individual patient to improve my ability to make decisions and offer patients options based on the tools that they suggest do some good. Don't know. So on to the story, right? We talked in the first uh, segment about uh, the story about dinner. Uh, my administrator went to a dinner, talked about uh, an EMR company who thought they had something brand new but maybe didn't, and we had an interesting conversation. So here's another story. This has to do with what's going on in our, our practice, what's going on in our world. And it's, uh, it's across the board. Uh, we're slowing down a little bit. Uh, you know, historically, Healthcare, in terms of its volume, the number of patients coming through the door, the amount of spending, utilization, has been a very steady thing. It grows at roughly 5% per year, whether the economy is booming or the economy is crashing. That number may fluctuate a little bit, but because it has at least to this point been driven so heavily by insurance uh, rather than the private or the free market economy, that the economy may boom, healthcare plugs along somewhere in the middle. Health, you know, the rest of the economy may bust, healthcare just kind of sits there doing the same thing. But now that's beginning to change. And we're seeing decreased volume in our practice, we're seeing decreased volume in our surgery center. We put out feelers and talk to people we know, 
both in other surgery centers and in other practices and folks that manage multiple surgery centers. And everyone is clear that the decrease in utilization seems to be system-wide. The most common thing that's blamed, and again, this is intuitive, this is not a data-driven thing, this is a theory based on intuition, that this is because of high deductibles. Not only the Obamacare exchange policies, which of course have rising premiums and rising deductibles, but because of all of the extra regulatory burdens imposed, not just by Obamacare, but by 50 years of increasing government regulation, uh, is slowing things down. Premiums are going up, deductibles are going up, and folks are getting sticker shock every time they need something significant in healthcare. And at least in surgery centers in Atlanta, there are a sizable number of cancellations going on. And the most common reason for these cancellations is that people get sticker shock when they look at their deductible and, and the, the package is put in front of them in terms of how much insurance will pay, how much you're responsible for as the patient and what the total cost is. And folks are walking away from procedures, in many cases, procedures that they need. Now, you might say, well, hey, that should be a good thing, right? I mean, we're talking about, you know, costs out of control, overutilization, no breaks on overutilization, growth, etc. So, gee, this means that high premiums and high deductibles must be a good thing, or at least the high deductibles, right? Well, partially. I think it does prove that when you give patients first dollar cost, and at least in the case of doctor-owned ambulatory surgery centers, you can see some price transparency that at least you know exactly what all the line item costs are going to be for your procedure before you actually choose to do it, as opposed to hospitals that won't do that for you. They just say, come and get the surgery and get your procedure, get your care, and we'll tell you what it costs afterward. There is price transparency up front, which is good. So when you combine upfront pre-transaction price transparency with first dollar cost, you're going to get a decrease in utilization. The problem is that high deductibles and price transparency only give you half of what you need. The incentive to not get care is a little too strong, and I can tell you in my own practice, there are folks going without care who really, really need it. It's not just a matter of going, ah, you know, it's a, it's a mild symptom thing. It's not worth it. Folks who really need stuff and can get it. And what are the missing pieces? Well, the big missing piece is a health savings account because the folks that are faced with a $5,000 deductible for their elective procedure don't have $5,000 to spend. So even if they say to themselves or say to you, their doc, yeah, I, I would pay $5,000 for this if I had it, but I don't. So the health savings account would sort of modulate that a little bit or, or mitigate that problem a little bit so they would have a few thousand dollars in their pocket at least after a year or two of putting money away and be able to say, yeah, I've got the money, so I can now decide it's either worth it to me or it's not. And if it is worth it to me, at least I have the capability of acting on my choice. The other part of the problem has to do with how deductibles are structured, right? That $5,000 deductible applies regardless of the urgency of your need. And so whether it's something elective that's just a symptom thing or something that's urgent that is a matter of your well-being, you still have a $5,000 deductible. So I would rather see a, a catastrophic-only policy or something analogous to that where the coverage for bad stuff is solid 
and the and the care is truly affordable, and only when you get into things that are more elective would it be something that there would be more financial burden on the patient so that you're actually reducing the footprint of insurance to true insurance, as we've called it here, where claims are rare but they're big, and the vast majority of folks pay into the pot, kind of like life insurance and car insurance, right? We've talked about that before. So I think the, the, the concept of a deductible as it's currently used is, is a little bit too much of a disincentive to spend. But it does show that when you put some of these things on the table that it does work to sort of depress things. Okay, let's move on to something totally different. Just, you know, again, a smorgasbord of things. What I do to get ready for the show is I actually, as I see interesting articles come across my doorstep, I'll mark those and email the links to myself and put them in a file. And when it comes time to do show prep, I'll go through all that and kind of find the interesting stuff. So, you know, in the absence of some big overriding topic, since we've kind of beat healthcare reform to death and we're sort of looking for some other interesting things, health IT, other places. These are the articles that I kind of saved and then come up. So the, here's something very interesting about Big Pharma, and you may have run across these already. But uh, you, you have heard us discuss, and we talked about this a lot last year when we talked about the $600 EpiPen. And how is it that a, a, a prescription drug with about 50 cents worth of drug in it plus an inexpensive delivery mechanism ends up costing – $600 for a two-pack when it only costs you about 20 bucks to make the darn thing. And in those shows, I introduced you to the concept called a pharmacy benefit manager, which is a third party to the third party. It's actually a fourth party, right? So when you get your insurance card with Signet, the Blue Cross, Blue Shield, whatever, the prescription benefits actually come from a separate entity such as a CVS Caremark or something like that. So so you not only have – now you only have a third party, which is the insurer itself. You have a fourth party, which is this pharmacy benefit manager. And we talked about some of the perverse, awful stuff that goes on where they are no longer – drug manufacturers no longer compete on price. They compete on rebates. Or they compete on clawbacks, and so that actually drives prices up, not down. So this is all now finally coming into some legal action, and a lawsuit has been filed against CVS, Caremark, and uh, one other one. It doesn't show up in the article here, but uh, this whole idea of your your copay for your prescription may be more than the cash price. So if you are getting an inexpensive drug, let's say amoxicillin or Bactrim or something that's been a long, you know, while been been out for a long time, there's multiple generic brands available, and the thing is dirt cheap. If you pay cash, might cost significantly more. If you whip your insurance card out, show that to the pharmacist, and you end up paying a copay rather than a cash price. So the plaintiff in this lawsuit, one Megan Schultz paid $165 for a prescription which uh, had she paid cash and had no insurance card would have only cost $92. The allegations are the pharmacy knew that the copay exceeded the cash price. They, they, they charged her the higher price anyway, and here we are. So now there's a rash of articles coming out, which I suggest you read. I'm just sort of giving you the, the quick 50,000-foot view that these pharmacy benefit managers will, will force pharmacies to charge the copay even if it exceeds the cash price. And and so now, the, hopefully, all of this stuff will sort of come to light. 
Uh, and I've always been very frustrated with the whole concept of a separate pharmacy benefit manager where drug costs and care costs for care are in different silos. We run across this because there are uh, a couple of common situations in my specialty where if we could get the right drug for a patient, we could control their disease process well enough to make the, the need for surgery significantly less. The problem is you can't offer that to the insurance company as an incentive because the pharmacy costs and the care costs, the surgical costs, live in completely different silos. So I can't go to an insurance company and say, if you will improve expensive drug X, I won't have to do surgery Y. Well, they don't care because the pharmacy benefit manager doesn't pay for the surgery. All they care about is cutting the drug costs. This whole concept that something that's well-managed medically might not have to be operated on, there's no incentive to make that work. One hand doesn't know what the other one's doing. Couple that with another study or another article I found, which has to do with uh, CEOs' uh, massive salaries. i got to come way back here find this article. Here it is. All right, so we're only down to like 30 seconds. So this, this actually ties down to what CEOs make. And, and you've heard about this before, and, and it's boring to just go ahead and demonize you know, healthcare CEOs all over again. Uh, we've seen that before. Here's the thing that's the kicker that was new about this particular article, which is nowhere in a healthcare CEO's contract are there any incentives for them to limit spending. So you would think they would get bonus if they could control spending. Actually, it's the opposite. And David Goldhill has discussed this before. Insurance companies don't lower costs. They increase costs because their incentives are to grow and have more claims, which allows them to charge more premiums and allow them to have more profits. You're listening to The Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Karuchek, your host this week. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 